Hey folks, Joyce Vance here. Last week, special counsel Robert Hur published a report detailing his investigation into President Joe Biden's handling of classified documents. Hur decided against charging Biden, but he also had a lot more to say. In rendering his decision not to prosecute the president, Hur said that Biden is struggling with memory issues, writing that he is a, quote, sympathetic, well-meaning, elderly man with a poor memory. In other news, former President Donald Trump asked the Supreme Court to freeze proceedings in the election subversion criminal case while he challenges whether he is immune from prosecution in the first place. And the Supreme Court heard oral arguments in the case challenging Trump's eligibility to run for president again. The dispute arising out of Colorado is based on Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Preet Bharara and I discuss all that and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership for just $1 for one month. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. We look forward to having you as a part of the Insider community. So as I said, the bottom line is, as stated in the report, quote, we conclude that no criminal charges are warranted in this matter. We would reach the same conclusion even if Department of Justice policy did not foreclose criminal charges against the sitting president, end quote. That's it. That's the headline. That's the top line. That's the bottom line. I don't know if it's the middle line, but it's, it's the line from the report. It's the line, and it's so important. It's the operative line. I mean, it's the comparison point to the Mueller report, where Mueller yeah. says, you know, not charging because I can't. So then here are what I think, and I have said, and others have said, are gratuitous extras about the issue of, of Joe Biden's memory. And some of the phraseology here has come under attack and has been the focus of a lot of attention over the last number of days. A couple of examples are these. Quote, we have also considered that at trial, Mr. Biden would likely present himself to a jury, as he did during our interview of him, as a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory, end quote. Kind of like he's a, you know, Geppetto, a shoe cobbler or something. He goes on to say, quote, it would be difficult to convince a jury that they should convict him by then a former president well into his 80s of a serious felony that requires a mental state of willfulness, end quote. And then, to my mind, you know, the worst part, quote, he did not remember when he was vice president, forgetting on the first day of the interview when his term ended, in parens, in quotes, if it was 2013, when did I stop being vice president, question mark, end quote, and forgetting on the second day of the interview when his term began, in parentheses, in 2009, am I still the vice president? And then here's the actual worst part. Also from the report, he did not remember, even within several years, when his son Bo died, end quote. I'm going to let you react to that last part first. Even if that's an accurate characterization, which, by the way, the Biden folks contest, boy, that just doesn't belong any place in a report written by a prosecutor. What I don't understand is what did that add? How was that necessary? Even if you have to discuss the memory issue, I think it's not inappropriate to discuss the memory issue if you think it's worthwhile to talk about the jury appeal of this case and the sympathy that might be flowing from a jury towards this particular, you know, potential hypothetical defendant. Enough was already said. You know, Joe Biden did not remember the details of what he told his ghostwriter. Joe Biden had difficulty remembering, you know, what documents were taken, what the notes were, you know, all relevant to the point of inquiry, the focus of inquiry here. A, a generalized, and you could even say, if you want to take another step, you know, not only did he not remember the particulars of this 
and he would present sympathetically. But overall, his memory seems to have eroded and it was, you know, problematic. But why you got to mention a man's dead child is really beyond me. And that, I think, informs us about the motivation of all of this other stuff that, as you say, is on the margin. Maybe it's fair, maybe it's not. But it's very clear that there's, you know, whether it's political animus or or personal animus, it's just not appropriate. Her concedes, by the way, if you keep reading through the report, that sometimes the questions that Biden was asked during the interview were just framed badly, and Biden actually would have to push back and reframe the issue so that the question could be asked properly. This is all happening just as the attack on Israel is underway. Biden is dealing with a lot of other issues. And just to bring it close to home, by the way, I mean, you know, I'm 63, so I'm no spring chicken, but I have found that especially post-pandemic, I have to just Think out loud for a minute before I get years correctly sometimes. You know, even if the question is, when did you become a U.S. attorney? I have to stop and think, well, the election was in 2008 and I became the acting in 2009. And I just have to work through that a little bit. I think because, frankly, when stuff is years ago, sometimes even for an important date like the death of my mother during the pandemic, I have to stop and think through. So, yeah, I get that these may be legitimate criticisms of Joe Biden in some sense, but I also recollect Jeff Sessions, who, when he was attorney general, had a total failure of memory when he testified in front of Congress on multiple occasions. Donald Trump, who has had a terrible memory when being asked questions under oath in court proceedings— and why this should come down to Joe Biden's dead child, it, it's actually, I mean, you can tell I'm getting worked up as I talk about it. It is deeply offensive. And I think we're entitled to better from folks at the Justice Department. Yeah, look, I think among other things, it is um, not only offensive, it is mean-spirited, cruel, unnecessary, and unwarranted in, in every way. And, you know, the, the interesting thing about this is and I talked about this with my class yesterday. What is the reason everyone is so upset at this? And, you know, for, for the lawyers who are listening, some of these lines are kind of like dicta. They're not central to the holding of the, of the report. And they're totally unessential and unnecessary and unneeded dicta, right? So not necessary to the holding, not necessary to the ultimate conclusion because he had enough already. But the reason people are upset right, is that Joe Biden is a candidate for president again, and his political kryptonite, as his opponents want to develop it, is that he is cognitively less than he was, right? That's the albatross he wears around his neck, and he's, he's too old to be president again, as some polls show. If Joe Biden were not running for president, or this was some other person who was elderly and was not in the political sphere, I think he would still say, unnecessary to talk about this business about the deceased child and some of the other things here, but nobody would be up in arms, right? The issue is it's a political problem for Joe Biden to, to appear old. And here, a, a former U.S. attorney and now special counsel has added grist to political opponents. And the question I have is, and I think I come out a particular way on this, you know, as a general matter, special counsels are appointed when you want to have independence and you want to stay away from politics and the scrum of, of any political consideration at all, 
And here, it was totally foreseeable, given the circumstances, if you're at all sophisticated in any way in the real world, that this stuff would provide political ammunition to Joe Biden's opponents. And on that ground alone, if it was unnecessary to the conclusion, it shouldn't have been in the report. Is that fair? Bingo. I mean, this just lines up too conveniently with one of Donald Trump's long-running attacks on Joe Biden, which is that he's old and he's missed a step. And any prosecutor knowing that would have stayed away from including it in the report, except for this special counsel who put it in. May I present a hypothetical defense of Robert Hur on this point? Are we in the Supreme Court? I mean, come on, Pre. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's sort of interesting, right? This idea, I, I'm intrigued by this idea, this concept of being away from politics, not considering politics, but then having a, a criticism of somebody because of the political impact of what they said, right? Those things seem to be in tension with each other. And the view that I have that has evolved is, yes, you don't consider politics, you don't think about politics. But in certain circumstances, you have to be a real pragmatic, sophisticated person in the real world and understand that what you do can affect politics and you should not be unduly affected. In other words, you're not blind to politics, although that sounds nice. You have to make sure that you have no impact on, and you're not a, you know, a gear in the machinery of politics in any way, right? So that's a reason why, as a general matter, that prosecutors don't take significant action against a public official, an elected official, or against somebody who's running for office right before the election. That, that's not politics blind, as people say you should be. That's a sensitivity to not wanting to be a cog in the machinery of somebody else's political ambition or put a, a thumb on the scale in a political contest, right? That's just pragmatic. That's not blind to politics. And here, must you not be sensitive enough and sophisticated enough to appreciate that if you use certain language, even though you're trying to be outside of politics and independent from politics, you have to understand what the consequence is going to be. Just like Jim Comey should have understood when he issued that letter reopening the investigation that was very likely to be leaked and was, that he was reopening the investigation was going to have an effect on the election and you have to consider that. Is that fair or have I jumbled it? No, I think it's exactly right. I mean, there's this bottom line principle, which is that it's not the job of the Justice Department to influence the outcome of elections. We've heard that same theme, by the way, from all of the, you know, former living secretaries of defense who, after the 2020 election, said the military will not decide the outcome of this election. Well, DOJ shouldn't influence elections either. And I'm with, left with the sense after reading this that this is a, a special prosecutor who sort of waded in to that fight and made a political point, one that was not necessary for the conclusion that he reached that Joe Biden shouldn't be prosecuted. So let me get back to the hypothetical defense of Robert Hur on this point. And this is something that somebody actually suggested to me, a Republican. He was like, look, Robert Hur, as was understood at the time of his appointment, I don't know him, by the way, at all. I don't know him personally. I don't believe I've ever met him, um, although I may have. But I know people who know him. And at the time of his appointment, well-respected, I think praised by people on both sides of the aisle when he got that appointment, um, certainly when he got the appointment to be the U.S. attorney in Maryland, didn't do anything as I'm, that I'm aware of that seemed political or partisan when he was U.S. attorney. And so the defense goes something like this. This is a person who actually is so removed from politics and is so apolitical and doesn't follow, you know, the roller coaster of politics, doesn't think about how campaigns are run, that 
when his team presented to him these facts, he said, okay, well, I guess it's relevant to determination of sympathy by a jury for Joe Biden. And they should be in there. And because he's so apolitical and removed from, I'm, you know, this, I'm not saying this is true, but I'm putting forward the, the hypothetical argument that he's so removed from politics, he did not foresee, he did not anticipate the political firestorm that would ensue from the inclusion of this language. Do you buy any of that? No, of course not. You're very concise in your answers. Did you want more? <laughs> yes. I, I mean, look, you know, we live in a political world. People who become U.S. attorneys have at least some small modicum of political savvy, and, unless they're just me in right place, right time. But, you know, no, this did not happen in a vacuum. And so I'm in some sense sympathetic to anyone who's in the role of special counsel to the pressure that they're under. I just think that this is clearly the wrong call made by this special counsel. Now, Biden's lawyers have called on him to redact this from the report, but that's really just sort of a paper tiger. I mean, you can't put the toothpaste back into the tube. This is out there in, in the ecosystem. I think smart people will ignore the surplusage and focus on the result. Biden's not getting prosecuted, but Trump will continue to, to use this. I wouldn't be surprised if this was part of his closing argument to the American people if he's the nominee. I like the fact that you use the metaphor of the toothpaste back in the, back in the tube. Because it's really hard to do. <laughs> have you ever tried? No, I have not. Because I'm not weird. <laughs> at, least not, at least not in that way. Um, but people sometimes say the horse is out of the barn. But, you know, I'm no rancher. But I think sometimes you can, you can put the horse back. Into, it's easier to put the horse back into the barn and the toothpaste back into the tube. Yeah, I mean, mom of four here, I'm just telling you the toothpaste is not going back in the tube. Right. You can't unscramble the eggs. <laughs> do we have any more that we want to do at this point? No, I think I'm done. The other thing I'll say, you know, all this attention focused on these lines, and we're continuing that um, ourselves in the podcast. But the real reason why Joe Biden wasn't charged, right, is different. It's not about his memory. It's not about sympathy from a jury. And to his credit, Robert Hur spends a lot of time drawing this contrast is because he was cooperative. He didn't obstruct justice. He made a voluntary disclosure about these things. And he gave back what was asked for when it was asked for, in very stark contrast to Donald Trump, who also, by the way, Donald Trump, even if he had willfully taken these documents to Mar-a-Lago and to Bedminster, would not have been charged. In no universe would he have been charged unless he did all these additional things that he did, which was to defy requests, lie about a subpoena, have a lawyer make an attestation that was false, and just go through this whole process saying these documents are mine, 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 mine. That's the only reason Donald Trump got charged. And that's the reason that ultimately Joe Biden and Mike Pence are not. It's not about the memory. It's about the obstruction. And to the point, Donald Trump never sat for an interview, either with special counsel Mueller or in connection with the documents here, and, and we don't really need to look any further than the deposition that he gave in the E. Jean Carroll case, where he misidentified E. Jean Carroll as his second wife, Marla Maples, to know that he never sat for a statement in the criminal investigations for, I mean, it's sort of weird, you know, with Trump, there's so much projection. This argument that's being made here about Joe Biden, I think, is poorly suited to Biden and perhaps better suited to Trump. And, and that's one of the ironies here. So when I was on ABC this weekend, a question arose about whether or not this interview between the special counsel's office and Joe Biden, whether we're going to see it and not have to rely on the characterization in the report 
We also should discuss the fact that this is not the end of it, even though it seems like a final report. In the case. Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership for just $1 for one month. That's cafe.com slash insider. To the many of you who've chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work. <laughs>